0: Welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rees and on each episode I investigate a different, weird and wonderful subject. And on this episode we are going to look at what could be described as a very dark detective story in which a wizard is employed to solve a mystery and does so using some quite macabre methods involving skulls and all sorts of things that i won't spoil now because it's all coming up shortly let's just say this wizard had some quite gothic methods and his name was robin the black robin with the being the welsh word for black now he was also known as Robin the Thewin, with Thewin being the Welsh word for wizard. Robin the Thewin, Black Robin the Wizard. Although in this particular tale, he is simply known as Robin the... And I should make clear at the start of this episode, just so there's no confusion, but this is one of those tales where fact and fiction, where... Real and not so real become mixed up, shall we say. The lines become a little bit blurred. It becomes a little bit hazy because there was indeed a real person called or known as Robin the. He was a poet, a prophetic poet, who was writing in Anglesey in the 1400s. At the other end of the scale, there is also Robin Thee, who is known in folktales as being this all-powerful wizard. The Robin Thee we are going to look at in this particular tale falls somewhere in between. Because this Robin Thee was also known to be a wizard, the big difference was he had no actual powers. He had no magical abilities. Or, to put it more bluntly, secretly he was a charlatan. He couldn't actually perform magic, but people believed he could. And that is the Robin the we are looking at on this episode. And I am sure Robin the, in his various guises, will become a reoccurring character on this podcast. This is his first appearance as it were but he will be back but for now we are sticking with this charlatan version of robin the who depending on how you want to look at it was either quite clever quite ingenious in the way he pulled off his magic tricks or you could just say he was a a crook a charlatan a fraud but rather than making up your minds now let me tell you this tale And then we can pick it apart at the end and see what you think now to begin at the beginning robin the was based in the north of wales and as mentioned while he wasn't a real magician in this particular story he was described as being so cunning that he could make people believe he had magical powers And his fame spread over the whole of Wales. Now, this tale takes place in the Vale of Towie, where a lady has lost three precious gems. Not only were they valuable financially, but they had sentimental value to this woman. They had been given to her by her dead sister, and she had turned the house upside down, looked everywhere for them she could not find these three precious gems and as a result she had to seek outside help and turned to yes you guessed it robin the or black robin although as an aside this is kind of going off on a tangent into another piece of folklore we are told that if only this lady had known of the well of flan bedrog If only she'd known because, to quote, by means of that, it is quite easy to discover who has stolen your property. All you have to do is kneel by it and after throwing in a bit of bread, name all whom you suspect and when the thief's name is mentioned, the bread sinks. If only she'd known about this much easier way of doing it, it would have saved everyone a lot of bother but (laughs) that would have been a very short story for this episode she did not know about the well of flam bedrog she summoned black robin instead this powerful wizard she'd heard so much about and sent a servant northward to track him down now robin wasn't cheap wizards never are are they even if they are potentially fraudulent wizards they are never cheap and he was offered. £50, quite a sum at the time, £50 to head southwards and to help this lady find these three gems. And that was an offer he could not refuse. And after meeting with the woman, after listening to her tale, he agreed that, yes, he would find those three gems, but he needed payment up front. Give me the £50 now. And then we'll worry about your gems. To which the lady was naturally slightly reluctant to quote, she said, £50 is a lot of money. It is indeed a lot of money. I should like to test your power before giving it to you. A wise move. Test this wizard's power first. Don't just take his word for it because, well, as we know, he isn't in fact a wizard. But she doesn't know that. And she thinks of this ingenious way to discover if he really has any powers. And Robin, of course, had no choice but to go along with it. He said, yes, bring it on in so many words. Bring it on. I accept the challenge. And so she put a tame bird under a dish on the table and sent for this supposed magician and asked him to say what Was under the vessel. Now, maybe the lady thought she was being funny by doing this. Maybe she was having a little joke to herself. But it wasn't just any old tame bird that she'd hidden under there. In fact, it was a tame robin redbreast. A robin redbreast, the namesake of this magician. And if you keep listening, I'll tell you why. The Robin has a red breast, as a little extra at the end of this episode. But she summoned this Robin, Robin the, Robin the pretend wizard, and asked him to say what was under the vessel. And he had no idea. He had absolutely no idea what was there. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. Now, he could have taken a wild stab at it, a wild guess, but even his... Sweet-talking, cold-reading powers, whatever he used to get by people. Even he could not pick one of however many billions of things could have been under there. And he thought, let's just, let's just come clean. Let's just admit defeat on this one. Maybe try and sweet-talk my way out of this one and find some other way. And so he held up his hands and said, Robin is caught. Robin is caught and I am sure you are one step ahead of me here. But by Robin is caught, what he meant is I am personally caught. I am busted. The lady, however, thought it was amazing, thinking he referred to the bird, which was a Robin and which was caught, which was trapped underneath that vessel. She was, to quote, astounded at what she regarded as a wonderful display of power, and Robin was too cunning to confess. It's always the case, isn't it? It's always the, 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 the charlatans who get all the luck, and that's certainly the case with Robin in this instance. He had the, the roll of the dice, as it were. And so the money was paid over. That whopping £50 was given to Robin And the process of finding the gems, the actual real work, began. Now, while he might have been a rubbish wizard, a rubbish psychic, he was, as mentioned, very, very cunning. He had some ideas on what was really going on here. And to begin with, he inquired carefully into all the circumstances of the disappearance of the gems he cross examined all the inmates of the house minutely. No stone was left unturned. This investigation convinced him that one of the servants had stolen them. He believed a servant had stolen the three gems, but for some time he could not find out the actual thief until one day he had a light bulb above the head moment and as mentioned things do get a little a little dark with this tale and i don't know whether to applaud his ingenuity here or be disgusted at what popped into his brain but one day as he was taking the air with one of the men servants he went for a walk for some fresh air with one of the servants he happened to enter the churchyard They walked into the churchyard where the sexton was digging a grave and had come across a quantity of old bones, among them being a skull. So a load of old bones and a skull have been uncovered. Whose bones, whose skull, nobody really knows. And considering what happens next, nobody really cares either by the sounds of it. Because Robin helps himself to the skull he he helps himself to the skull which has been freshly dug out of the ground he takes the skull and takes it back to the house with him back to his room while the servant who accompanied him and saw all of this rushed back into what, what i'm assuming was the the servant quarters or the kitchen or wherever the the servants and the workers gathered and told them, and I'm I'm paraphrasing slightly, but it was along the lines of, you will not believe what this madman has done. We, We were just going for a walk. He's gone into the churchyard. He's brought someone's skull back to this house with him, and he is now alone in his room with it. Now, of course, they were all curious, morbidly curious to know what the heck was going on, but... They did not have to wait too long to find out because Robin the summoned them all to his room. He gave them all a very stern look. And then he said, tomorrow night I will summon a legion of devils and they will punish the guilty with all the tortures of hell." But the innocent shall not suffer with the guilty. Take these. And with this, he handed to each one a tooth. Yes, a tooth from from a mouth, which he had wrenched from the skull. So he had taken this skull back. He had pulled out all the teeth. He handed a tooth to each servant and then said, By Friday morning, it was Wednesday evening as he did this, By Friday morning the guilty after suffering unspeakable anguish and pain will be as dead as the body from which these teeth have been taken. But I will not invoke my devils if the gems are brought to me before midnight nor will I disclose to any living soul who took them. Which, as hideous as that sounds, you could be as dead as this skull in my room. At the same time, if you tell me, you will not get into any trouble. Nobody will know that will be the end of the matter. Not a bad deal at all if you believe the words that he's saying, which presumably a lot of the servants would have. Although this only works if indeed it was one of the servants who were guilty and Robin really was hoping that was the case and that one of them would step forward and take his offer and avoid these these torments of burning in hell or whatever the alternative was. So he'd given them the deadline, midnight on Thursday. And just before midnight on Thursday, a trembling maidservant brought the diamonds to his room the ploy had worked but that had only solved half the problem really he had the gems now he had the gems to give back to the lady that was great but he was supposed to do so using magical techniques she'd given him 50 pounds to perform magic if he went back and said well look you know i did it using my detective skills that that wouldn't work he wasn't hired to be columbo or somebody he wasn't hired to smoke cigars and say just one more thing he needed a magical explanation and so looking out of his window in the morning he saw a flock of geese fielding in a field not too far away from the mansion and robin had yet another light bulb above the head Moment. Once again, he is very, very cunning. Not magical, but very, very cunning. And going out, he took with him a small piece of bread in which he placed the stones. So the stones were wrapped up in some bread. He went over towards these geese, threw the piece of bread to the gander, which at once greedily swallowed it. Now, this is quite a a risky tactic what he's doing here. I mean, it might have been easier to just hide them under a hat or something and gone Tada! but no no he's fed them in a piece of bread to a gander and then later on he summoned the lady pointed at the bird and said kill that gander and you will find inside him your lost treasure a bizarre thing to say but nevertheless she indeed had the bird killed this was done and the gems were found and as overjoyed as she was she was equally dumbfounded she was confused what the heck was going on how did these diamonds end up in a bird outside the house well according to robin they were dropped on the floor and accidentally swept out with the dust and this greedy bird swallowed them but by means of the skull which the sexton dug out of the grave on wednesday I was able to divine the mystery. All of which neatly ties up any potential problems he might have had with that skull being in his room. He'd used it as an explanation for finding the gems magically. And if any rumours had been started about this weirdo who'd taken a skull from the church, now they knew why he had done it. There was a rational explanation after all. And it should be pointed out that, yes, there was deception involved, but it was a happy ending for everyone. The maidservant was happy. She had gotten away with her foolish act of theft. His employer was happy because she had her gems back, and by the sounds of it, £50 wasn't the biggest amount of money to her. And, of course, Robin was more than happy. He had done as expected and earned his money everyone is happy well everyone except the gander maybe but everyone else is happy and that is a tale of how robin the black robin would convince people that he is indeed a magician does that necessarily make him a bad person does that make him evil it it probably doesn't make him a good person At the same time, he's not really hurting anyone somewhere in between. I I don't know. i let you decide. But I did mention earlier that we would also look at the origin of Robin Redbreast's red breast. Why does Robin have a red breast? Well, luckily, Welsh folklore has the answer. Welsh folklore has the answer to everything. And to quote, a Welsh boy was throwing stones one day at a robin redbreast. My poor boy, said his grandmother to him, have you not heard of the fiery pit and how this merciful bird takes cool dew on his little bill and lets it fall on sinful souls in torment? The marks of the fire that scorches him as he drops the water are to be seen on his red breast. Never throw a stone at a robin. Now I would argue you shouldn't throw a stone at a robin. Regardless you you shouldn't throw stones at any birds. But according to this old tale. It is because this merciful bird. Takes pity on those in torment. On those burning in hell. And as a result of dropping this cooling dew. Down to the tormented. They Get this scorch mark in return. That is their reward for helping out the unfortunate. And this is yet another good example. I've mentioned this on several other episodes, but this is yet another good example of how closely intertwined Christianity is with many Welsh folk beliefs and traditions. But now you know the next time you see a robin redbreast, where that red breast came from and it wears it almost like a badge of honor. It announces to the world that that little bird has literally been to hell and back. And yes, I know there's probably a much more mundane reason for it. Maybe the red just scares away foxes or something like that. I don't know. But I like to think that the wise old Welsh grandmother knows best and that bird has been to hell and back. But if you know any different, it's always lovely to hear from people and I'm quite easy to find online on social media if you'd like to get in touch and drop me a line. And as always, if you have enjoyed this episode, I am sure Robin Redbreast will be popping up again, maybe around Christmas time when we look at some more festive folklore and i am sure robin the black robin will also appear at some point in the future once more and if you don't want to miss any of those wonderful episodes when they pop up be sure to hit the subscribe button and you will never miss an episode ever and on that note it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening dior and varian am grander i've been mark Rice. this has been my ghosts and folklore podcast it's the best it's the beautiful it is the only ghosts and folklore podcast beaming to you from wales to the world until next time don't go hurting any robin redbreasts and no